When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to More Than Amuse podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts, hosted by Stani and Sadie. Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and you on important and forgotten female artists of the past. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week with More Than Amuse. My name is Sadie. And I'm Stani, and thanks for being here. Um, We're recording on April 30th. Yes, we so are. we're all patiently awaiting a possible announcement from Miss Swift, Taylor Swift. It's also possible that there is nothing coming. So <laughs> for anyone who might be on Taylor Swift TikTok, because Stani and I definitely are, there have been <laughs> circulating fan theories that something was going to be announced today. But so far it is 3.45 p.m. on April 30th and we've got nothing. We have nothing. But, but Stani's yeah. remaining very optimistic. I am. I'm hopeful. I want a third album of like the Folklore Evermore trilogy. So I'm holding Absolutely. out hope. <laughs> so we'll see. It's not over yet. We've still got the rest of the day, folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stani, what is new? Are you, You're almost done with school. You're almost a college graduate. Well, kind of. I still have a math class over the summer. So I am not feeling as excited. Everyone is posting their graduation posts and I'm getting very jealous because I'm not quite there yet. Not quite, but close. But close. I'm uh, almost done with like my degree part of it though. So I guess I could consider myself a graphic design graduate, even though I still have a little bit of college left. That's very stupid. You have to do one math class though. I know. And I know I'm never going to use it again. So it's really irritating, but whatever, that's what's required. So we're going to finish it out. And today's episode is special though, because we are getting, instead of the usual artists that you present on at the first of the month, we are getting the summation of what is like your capstone project? Um, one of them. So I ended up having kind of two capstone projects, I guess you could say. I did an independent study, which is what this one is. And then I also have my BFA project, which was the book on female graphic designers. So that was like Mm. my capstone. This is like my little side project that I did as well. So Mm -hmm. I decided a semester with only one publication wasn't enough. So I was going to do two. Yeah. One capstone project. Come on. That's for amateurs. (laughs) No, I decided to do two. Um, But a lot of research went into this and it was just kind of like a a small idea that like snowballed into something even bigger. And a lot of the stuff that came out of it was just so cool that I wanted to share it, um, especially with people who would understand since it's on artistic inspiration and this is a podcast for artists. So I figured all of you would appreciate the different things about this. Yeah, I'm excited to like when you first told me that this is what you were doing. I like I mean, I I trusted what you were doing, but it didn't. I was like, 
what do you mean the history of artistic inspiration like what is there to even research so I'm like excited to hear what this all even entails oh yeah it's so much more than I even thought it would be at the beginning it just started out with the idea of like muses and how they have changed over time which we've kind Mm. of done an episode on um I was just like really stuck in this idea of like ancient muses were like the goddesses of arts and music and science and like everything was necessary only through them like they were the vital part of every artistic project and then how now it's turned into kind of more of like a oh she's my muse and I just look at her and I get inspiration and I'm the genius behind all of it and she's just like this spark of creativity Mm -hmm. um but as I like dove into it more and talked with my professor there was so much more and I think I've talked about different parts of it throughout a couple of episodes because I literally haven't been able to stop thinking about it (laughs) well I know with when we talked about um, Hilma off Clint, right? Yeah, we talked about that for a little bit. And ever since that episode, I've been very excited for this one. Yeah, I'm excited too. It's going to be really fun. And um, for anyone who wants to even learn more, you can literally spend hours on the Artistic Inspiration Wikipedia page, just clicking on the different links that it leads you to. There is so much on that. And yes, most of this research did come from Wikipedia. It is backed up by other sources but I did spend a ton of time on Wikipedia. I don't discredit Wikipedia. I think it's just fine. I use Wikipedia a lot. If anything, you can find the sources that they found it from at the bottom of the web page, and those are usually always credible. So should we just dive into it? Yeah, I am ready to hear all about this. I'm excited. Okay, cool. So um, I kind of started out with the question of like, what is artistic inspiration? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the times people are like, oh, that's such a simple question. Like, what's the motivation behind artwork? Like, how is it created? But in reality, like, it's a very complicated question that people have spent years, centuries trying to figure out. And everyone seems to have a different opinion on it. So Christianity has a thought and theory, mythology, psychology, spirituality, like everyone has some kind of say in how artistic inspiration comes to be, which is kind of crazy when you think about it because there's not a lot of things that people debate on this much. Yeah. (laughs) And maybe like the existence of mankind is probably one, but like no one sits there and debates like, okay, but where does art come from? And yeah, it's been like a century long debate for a really long time. Like how humans even get the ideas to create Mm -hmm. art if you think about it it's kind of a weird idea it's like okay who was the first person who sat down and like started painting something and they were like well why did you think about this and they're like I don't know yeah well it almost like I feel like it like makes us human it's not like lions are just like you know out there creating I don't know like sculptures out in the savannah like I feel like it's something that's very uniquely tied with humanity and it's very interesting yes I agree and kind of the cool thought about it is artistic inspiration um, comes from the latin word inspire which means to breathe into which I kind of really love yeah yeah And it's defined as an unconscious burst of creativity in a literary, musical, visual art, or other artistic endeavors. 
And then also for a long time, inspiration was considered to be outside of like your natural skills, which they call like ingenuum. So it's basically like what you're born with, like divine stamp of the soul delivered at the instant of one's birth. So they considered artistic inspiration to be beyond your natural ability, mm. which is kind of interesting as well. Yeah, because I would think that it's like something like, cause, you know, it seems like some people are like born creative when others aren't. So interesting. And then this is when we'll kind of get into the different ideas behind it. So the first one is like divine inspiration. And um, obviously, if you have dabbled in any form of Christianity, you've probably heard of like revelation or inspiration in some capacity. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a huge part of Christianity. But something that was cool is the difference between inspiration and revelation were defined. So inspiration is considered to be um, like something directly from God, whereas revelation is more of a collaborative act. Ooh, I like that idea of it collaborative. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. So they consider revelation to be like a conscious thing between like the artist and God or the vision. So they're aware and interactive, whereas inspiration was involuntary and received without any complete understanding or awareness. And I thought that was kind of a cool way to look at it and definitely yeah. something that like, oh, that even makes me think about some of the aspects of my religion differently. Like, when am I being inspired and when are things being revealed to me? Yeah, that's what I was like literally thinking that like in the realm of like what I believe spiritually, like, yeah, when are the moments where maybe it feels like I didn't, you know, get that from anywhere Yeah. versus like the collaboration of like, no, I've been working to try and find this answer and now I feel, yeah, I really like that. I know. I loved it too. I think that's a cool distinction. (laughs) Yeah, it was really cool. Um, And then another aspect of ancient Christianity was the idea of speaking in tongues which I know a lot of religions still practice today. Um, Ours does not. So it was kind of interesting to look into this. Um, The idea behind it was, um, it's called glossolalia. I'm probably saying that wrong. Okay. It's a practice in which people mutter speech-like sounds in languages unknown to them, even fluid vocalizing of speech-like symbols that lack readily comprehended meaning, even sometimes seen as its own tongue or language. A lot of people considered it to be like the language of the angels or like an ancient dialect of God that they were speaking. And that's why no one could understand it. And they believed it happened multiple times throughout the Bible. So some modern Christian religions still view this speaking of tongues as a practice in which they're being overcome by the spirit of God. And others view as it more of like a hyperbole where if someone spoke Ukrainian in a room full of English speakers, no one would understand except God who speaks all languages and understands all, which I think Mm -hmm. is more how our religion tends to look at it. Yeah, Um, I think so. Yeah, but still kind of an interesting thing in the realm of like inspiration and religion that that's what they considered to be part of it. Them being overcome by God to like speak beyond anything that they knew. Um, Another aspect of religion and artistic inspiration was like the idea of a holy gift or divine grace. Divine grace is, it's defined as like a divine influence which operates in humans to regenerate and sanctify, to inspire virtuous impulses, and to impart strength, to endure trial and resist temptation as an individual virtue or excellence of divine origin. So basically a long way of saying it's basically a gift from God. 
And a lot of people considered artistic inspiration to be that. So kind of God giving them a gift and then them being able to do something with it, um, shaping forces beyond the human experience. Um, that also existed a lot in Norse religions. So they considered that Odin would give them like a gift and then they oh. would be able to do something beyond humanity with it. There's also a story in, I think, the Bible or some other religion <laughs> book, um, but it's about Cademan's hymn. And he was a sheep herder with no training or skill at verse. But then after a dream one night where Jesus asked him to sing, he composed a hymn and then lived a life of great poetry. Oh. And so this was considered like an aspect of like a divine gift or grace where basically Christ appeared to him, told him what to do. And then he was able to do that throughout the rest of his life. And then lastly, there's another idea in Christianity of a divine wind which is similar, but a little bit different, <laughs> where uh, they consider the idea of artistic inspiration or inspiration in general to kind of hit you like wind okay. and then kind of come upon you and then you're able to do what you need to do. Um, so like they have the story of Cicero in De Natura Deorum or the nature of the gods. And the idea was that he got an unexpected breath, a powerful force that rendered him helpless and unaware of its origin, and then got a new idea that they were unable to explain, and then something great would come from it. Hmm. And this comes from the idea of the word aflatus, which is to blow upon toward to be blown upon by a divine wind. And I think that one fits a lot with the idea of the definition of artistic inspiration, where it's like to breathe into it's the idea of yeah. this wind, like rushing into them and then them being overcome with a new idea. I feel like that's how I always like imagined artistic inspiration. You know, it's like almost like this idea of just like a sudden thought coming into my brain. You know, I feel like that's that how burst I of creativity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's what a lot of people considered at that time. And even in the romantic era, that was a very common idea as well of them kind of being like hit with something beyond their comprehension. Yeah. Um, also similar to that as well. Sorry, Christianity talks about this a lot. So we're diving into a lot of it. <laughs> but um, the divine spark, which I think is very similar, but a little bit different. So it's more of what happens inside your own brain. Mm hmm. And it would be the idea that a portion of God resides within each human being. And then because Christ is like a holy divine being, he's able to inspire some form of creativity within each living person. Hmm. Um, and this comes from like the gospel of St. John, where he talks about like, there was a light that shineth in the darkness. And then um, every man had the true light in them that cometh into the world. And there's even an idea of this within science called vitalism. And it basically surrounds the idea that like we are fundamentally different from non-living entities because we contain some non-physical element and are governed by different principles of things. So like we're different from a pencil because there's something within us that's beyond what anyone can really explain. And so it was this idea of like a God within your own brain in a way, or like a portion of God within your own brain. And then this even compre like 
translated into the idea of people being children of God, which is a very common Mm -hmm. Christian idea as well. And so if you think of God as the creator of the universe and the world, and then if we're his children, then we're descendants of the greatest creator to ever exist. And so therefore we're capable of creativity beyond what we may think. Yeah. I like, I, it's a pretty beautiful thought, I guess, like the idea that there's like a bit of godliness in all of our brains or in all of us that that's where it comes from. Yeah. I like that. And even diving in a little bit. So one of the fun things I got to do is I got to kind of dive into like what my own religion says about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so this is from a talk. It For those who don't know, me and Sadie both belong to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The talk that it said, the desire to create is one of the deepest yearnings of the human soul. No matter our talents, education, background, or abilities, we each have an inherent wish to create something that did not exist before. Everyone can create. You don't need money, position, or influence in order to create something of substance or beauty. Creation brings deep satisfaction and fulfillment. We develop ourselves and others when we take unorganized matter into our hands and mold it into something of beauty. You might say I'm not the creative type. If that's how you feel, think again. Remember that you are spirit children of the most creative being in the universe. Isn't it remarkable to think that your very spirits are fashioned by an endlessly creative and eternally compassionate God? Think about it. Your spirit body is a masterpiece created with beauty, function, and capability beyond imagination. And then we were basically created to create is what the idea behind it is which I really, really love because then it's like, oh, of course, like if we believe God is the great creator and we're all of his children, then like, why can't we be? Then we are all supposed to be creators. And I like the fact that it focuses on the fact that everyone has that divine, like inherent ability and desire because I think everyone does. Like creativity happens in a lot of different ways. And I think Mm -hmm. if you look around, like everyone's trying to be creative in some capacity. Yeah. Creative doesn't have to mean painting or even like the arts, you know, Mm -hmm. like creativity. Like you said, it's everywhere. Everyone's doing it. Yeah. It's just like creating something that didn't exist before. And like Mm -hmm. everyone wants that to happen. And then I kind of also dived into the idea of the creative collaborations. So the idea of revelation as well because a lot of the times that's how creativity is viewed and this could be like god telling noah to build the ark and giving him all of the instructions and then noah still had to go and do it so that's an idea of creative um, collaboration between god and man where the initial idea comes from god but then like the overall creative process was handled mm-hmm. by men and then there's also a story in the book of mormon which is another record of ancient scripture Um, where there's this guy called the brother of Jared and he's called upon to build vessels to transfer people across the water. And when he goes to ask what to do about light, um, the Lord tells him to figure it out on his own. And so Mm -hmm. he spends a lot of time thinking about it and then comes back and he's like, Hey, like I have these rocks and if you touch them, then they'll light up and we can make it along the waters with light. And so that's kind of another idea that I really love where like God was like, okay, here's this problem. And then he's like, okay, but how do I fix it? And he's like, I don't know, you figure it out. Like be creative and I'll make it happen kind (laughs) of thing. Yeah. So it's another idea of like um, the Lord guiding his followers to creative solutions in order to help inspire them beyond human capability to a higher level of thought, which is really cool. And it's all throughout the scriptures, which was really fun. I've never looked at the 
scriptures is like a way to see how creative inspiration works. Yeah. But now as I like think on all of the stories, there's like so much of like ideas and like creative collaboration between God and man. It's really cool. It's making me like rethink a lot of religious stories in a different light. And it's cool. Yeah. That is really cool. Yeah. Like different perspective on it all. And then romantic era, they really focused on the idea of an inner genius, which I feel Mm. like we're all very common with that idea, um, especially when it comes to the idea of like a mad genius. And it was kind of the same as like a God within, but a little bit different. It was a lot more ego based. They believed that artistic inspiration existed within the artist's mind, but it was beyond normal levels of humanity. So not like divine or demonic, just beyond what this earth was capable of. However, people kind of used it to drive their own egos in a lot of ways. And people were known to be geniuses with skills beyond a natural state that was unique to them. And a lot of the times I think people got away with acting like complete jerks because they thought they were a genius. Yeah. Um, Also, the idea of like a mad genius comes in a little bit later, too. And then the other idea was creative transcendence, um, which I actually found a book by Sandra Sneed called The Mind of Being. And it compares our brain to a cup of water inside the ocean. And it was with this concept. It's the idea that we don't exist in the world, but within the mind of God, a mind so huge, we can't even imagine how large it could be so mm-hmm. which is kind of weird so it's different than the idea of god existing in our brain it's us existing within him god. okay but is that kind of like going into the down the road of like nothing is real that's like kind we're of not thought. real we're just like <laughs> like almost it's like god's telling the story and we're his characters is that is that that's how i'm imagining what you just said yeah no i think it's a little bit different than that it's okay. kind of weird here i'll read the rest of it and then you can help me figure it out maybe also i will say i'm not like a deep scholar on any of this like, i did <laughs> not study religion i didn't study like any of this I just have like the basics of what it was so a lot of these ideas are beyond even what I can (laughs) comprehend (laughs) so the idea surrounds the the idea of a world without end or beginning a god within our mind and us within the mind of god they believe that the way of thought allows you to open yourself to ideas and thoughts beyond beyond humanity to see patterns and beauty that we don't pay attention to when faced with mortal problems you Mm. no longer defined by health what money or class, but allow yourself to be a part of the natural processing systems that allow the world to continue to move, even comparing it to how an astronaut must not consider the boundaries of countries when looking at the earth from space. This allows mm-hmm. you to move beyond your human identity to be identified more fully by a God within a creator that dwells in your eyes. Okay. So it's not what I was saying. Yeah. It's like looking at it from a different perspective. Perfect. Yes. Almost. I love the idea of like how an astronaut must not consider countries when looking at the earth from space. Yeah, I really like that I- that idea too. That's cool. Like that's a cool thought to think about when it's like, oh, like how small it must seem like all of our laws and everything when you look at the world from a mm-hmm. greater. Like when you're, if you're looking literally, if you are outside of the planet and looking at the planet, you, there's no like borders there's no state lines it's 
and you don't even consider that because you're literally looking at the entire earth like yes so it's like you don't think about it like that anymore so mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the idea behind it um and a lot of philosophers and religions have kind of tried to define that like a special divine place within your own brain almost yeah. like um Aristotle called it being Plantius said it was the infinite Saint Bernard of Clairvaux said it was the word um, Ralph Waldo Emerson called it oversoul. Taoism calls it Tao. Judaism calls it Ein Sof. Australian Aborigines called it dream time, which I love. Um, tribes are Southern African, Hindu, and Ubuntu. And mm. even in Buddhism, it's called Nirvana, Islam, Fana. Um, it's this basically universal idea of transcending beyond the physical experience, which is cool that it exists everywhere. Yeah. Well, that's what I was just thinking. Like, kind of even going back to like you reading that excerpt from a talk you know that's like literally from our religion I never would have thought that like we had any stance on creative inspiration or that any religion did like even like you listing all those things with Christianity like I'm obviously very familiar with Christianity I identify as a Christian and like all those things I was like oh yeah like I I've heard of those things I've read that in the Bible, but like, I, yeah, I guess that is creative inspiration. You know what I mean? Like, I've never like actually realized that that's kind of what it was. And I like this idea that like our ability to create and like be inspired and like for me, just like write a song. Like even if I'm writing a song about my ex-boyfriend, you know, that it's like almost like still coming from the place that I believe that like I'm inspired from Yes. You know, like how cool is that, that that is very connected like that idea Mm -hmm. yeah and that's what was so cool for me is that like I don't think when you're sitting in church every Sunday or if you don't go like whatever you believe in or read that you Mm -hmm. sit there and think like okay but where do where does how does my religion feel about the arts like where do they think the art comes from because that's not like one of the pressing issues that everyone debates they're like no like what's the creation and like where do we go when we die yeah what are the those are the existential questions we ask our religion no and it makes sense it's not like it's going to completely change your life but I think as an artist it's kind of more important than I gave it credit for yeah well that's like what I was just thinking like it almost like gives a new reverence like even if I'm writing a sassy song about an ex-boyfriend like if I'm channeling what I believe is the same way God would speak to me like suddenly it's not the silly trivial thing that I'm writing a song about my ex-boyfriend like I'm creating something like through the same channel that I would get divine inspiration from like exactly that's pretty cool (laughs) and it made me kind of appreciate my like artistic inspiration more because I'm like oh but it's it's just as cool as like figuring out what college I should go to or who you should marry you know like it's just as important as that just like channeling it differently yeah, that is cool. Like, it's just as big of a deal of, like, making a big life-altering decision because you're having to access different points of your brain yes. to, like, make these big decisions or, like, come up with something like that on your own, whether it be, like, oh, I have this, like, vision of a painting that I want to turn into something physical or, hey, I have this melody idea I want to turn into, you know, an actual idea. No, exactly. And I kind of love that it's also, like, everyone explains that as beyond humanity. Like everyone looks at art and they don't quite understand it still. Like there's something beyond this experience that makes that possible. Yeah. And I think I might've brought it up 
in the episode, the Hilma off Clint one, where we kind of talked about this for a second, where it's just like, I feel like every time I finish a song, I've written probably hundreds of songs in my life. But every time I do that, I'm just like, how did I, how did I do that? <laughs> like, where, where did those lyrics comes from? Like, I really don't know. Or like when I put words together that I'm like, I don't really talk like that. How I just, you know, how I just wrote, I don't really talk like that. So that came from something. And sometimes it feels like it comes from something outside of myself. Yet it's also like the expressions of like the deepest things that I'm feeling. And it's You're just like, so, Wait, but it's from me. <laughs> like, I know it's me. Like no one else is in the room. Like, and obviously like a lot of the things you create, they're like influenced by things you listen to and watch and that, you know, surround you. But like, it's not like, I don't know where it always comes from. And like I said, whenever I sit down to write a song again, I'm like, crap, how the, how do I do this? Like, I don't really remember how this happens but it always does so it always does yep um there's even a like the coolest part I found about this is that a lot of the times like science and religion completely overlap but they just had like different explanations for it yeah (laughs) which is really funny so you know I talked about divine genetics kind of how like we're descended from God so therefore we want to create Mm -hmm. there's also a scientific explanation that they called um genetic inspiration and it's a theory from Carl Gustav Jung and basically his idea is that um common experience of creativity over time would be incorporated into the genetic code of mankind Mm. and then therefore allow specific memories of like the idea of creating to be encoded into the entire human species um interesting which is kind of crazy evolved to yeah from like a single Mm -hmm. ancestor who was yes which was weird but like kind of really cool in a way to think about it they compared Mm -hmm. it to like how mice would um, be trained to have an aversion to smell and then over time their descendants would hate the same smell for no reason but that would mean that someone would have had to do it first though if I right I mean I'm not an expert on evolution so I don't know no you're good so the idea was basically that like some form of creativity had to be included in order to evolve like almost like the fluke was that someone was creative but then that was like a genetic trait that was passed on yeah okay and obviously all of these theories even the religious ones are like highly contested Uh, just like everything in the world Um, But the idea was that like this mechanism would interact with the inner consciousness and therefore it would become a part of our like genetic code and enter our genome and then become a part of who we are as humans. That's very interesting that something could like enter our genetic code that wasn't already there. I know. Strange. I like don't know anything enough about science to even really comment further, but like that's cool. Yeah. And it made me think back on like, if you remember, giraffes used to have shorter necks, but then as trees grew, they got longer necks because they needed to reach the top of the trees Yeah, um, and other things like that. So it's like they believe it to be kind of like an adaptation, an evolution that happened over time in order to but, survive. And also, too, like if we're following that analogy of like giraffes necks, now that they're longer, they can eat, you know, plants higher. It's also kind of saying that like, it's a better form of humanity. You know what I mean? If it's like, it's something that we have done to evolve in a better way or like, it's almost like it's, or maybe that it's like needed for survival. Yeah. And that's kind of what I thought about is that it's like, okay, like how long would humans really make it without 
houses and wheels and ovens and like everything else you know like we're not the strongest creatures on earth yeah um, we that's what I was just gonna say <laughs> like we don't run that fast and we're kind of small but <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> and we're kind of we, weak <laughs> but we've thought of a lot of really cool things mm-hmm. so and so if you think, I think that's it. our like what's our like our biological edge on the yes. animal kingdom. <laughs> exactly. It's like, if you think about it, that means that like our surviving mechanism is creativity. And yeah. that's even kind of really cool. Cause then it's like, Ooh, the only reasons humanity's made it this far is because we're creative. Like we're creative. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which that is, is cool. awesome. Cause yeah, like cars, buildings, energy, power, like all of that comes from someone having a thought and creating something. And, and like back to what we talked about earlier, like creativity isn't just arts. Like obviously someone had to be very creative to think about the concept of a car and then figure out how to do it. Yeah. Or an airplane. Like that's all creativity in some aspect. Um, also, I need to know, I was going to try and jump. My book goes from like the outside in and then into the outside again. So that's how this episode's going to be. So sorry if that's a little confusing to anyone. I could have restructured my research, but it flows really well too. So we're just going to stick with that. But if you're getting a little lost why we go into the brain and then back out of the brain again, that's why. So the next one is the idea of an inner psyche or a tortured artist. And Aristotle was quoted saying, no great mind has ever existed without a touch of madness. And this is kind of where we get into some of the toxic ideas of creativity. This is basically the idea a marxist theory that you had to have an external crisis in order to be a good artist Mm -hmm. and i think it still seeps into a lot of our culture today that like oh your trauma is what gives you good art or like thank your last breakup because all that trauma now will allow you to create good art and it yeah you're right and it is totally toxic because i feel like there's so many times where it's like like for example i'm married to Jordan we've been married for almost three years and part of me was like oh no I'm in this wonderful beautiful stable relationship how will I ever write songs but actually it's provided me with such a stable foundation where now I can explore all these things from my past and like all the bad parts about myself that I would write songs about and all the good things and I don't feel like I'm in a shaky like my foundation set like I feel solid in my life so I know I can just write about whatever I want and like the boat's not rocking like we're good and like I've never been able to create more effectively Mm -hmm. yeah but there's like this age-long idea Mm -hmm. that people have to have like trauma in order to create good art And it goes back to the idea of like a mad genius. Like you have to have thoughts and skill bordering on irrational, Mm -hmm. driven beyond your own control in order to be good at what you do. And obviously it's heavily associated with mental illness. Um, Definitely inspiring the idea that like you can't be a good artist unless you're somewhat insane. Like Vincent Van Gogh, who suffered Mm -hmm. from bipolar disorder, caught off his left his ear and then ended up eventually committing suicide um isaac newton had a lot of problems he had a leviathan super ego he had like half a dozen psychological disorders which is really sad yeah um wolfgang amadeus mozart is believed to be autistic now ludwig van beethoven um (laughs) definitely suffered from depression probably the same with edgar Allan poe franz kaffa robert schumann michelangelo virginia wolf richard strauss josh nass or ernest hemingway 
or all at some point in their lives, anguished, tormented, alcoholic, angst-driven, manic, outright psychotic, or just plain weird. Yeah. I mean, it is a trope. Like, and that's like the other thing too, is it's like, you wonder because it's like, it is a trope and it is like, and it's a trope for a reason. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's a stereotype because it's pattern. Like the, the stereotype didn't come from nothing. And so it's easy to wonder like, okay, so why is that? Like, is there something tied with creativity but I'm like, why is that a thing? Because I don't believe you have to be sad to make art. No, I don't believe that either. Um, I also, I kind of wonder a lot of the times if it was like an ancient coping mechanism um, yeah. because mental health is like a newer level of comprehension in science. Like yeah, I have anxiety and I coped with that differently over the course of my life. And a lot of the times it meant that I would spend way too long on certain aspects of um, things resulting in almost perfection level attention to stuff. That's true. So maybe it's like people maybe who had already were prone to those things manifested it like they put it directly into their art and then it it wasn't a healthy coping mechanism because they were using it destructively. Yeah, exactly. And I have like people in my family that I think a lot of the times their coping mechanisms with different things that they're going through is art as well. I Mm -hmm. think it's just a great coping mechanism for a lot of mental disorders and because they didn't have any other way to cope maybe they just dove completely into it to the point that that's what defined their entire career and lifetime. And then maybe to the point that it wasn't a healthy coping mechanism anymore. Yeah. Cause like no one can sit down. Like we talked about in the bright eyes episode, we can sit down and paint for 10 hours. That's not healthy. You should. Yeah, it's not, it's not healthy <laughs> yeah. to do that. You really, really should every 10 single hours day. a day without stop. No, it's even kind of seeped into like acting a lot. Um, and musicians, There was a study conducted by the University of Southampton that said that artwork is perceived to be superior if the observer is told that the artist is mentally ill, which is kind of messed up that we need to fix that, that we seem to think that art is better if they're broken. Um, It's like, it's almost like, oh, it's actually coming from a real place of like sadness when it's like. Yeah, it's like a weird way. It it like almost comes across as it's like validating mental art health because it's like, oh, if they created this because their mental health was in a good place, then wow, that must be coming from a serious place. But then at the same time, I think it it adds to the stigma in a weird way because then it's ugh, it almost like forces the artist to stay there. Yeah, exactly. It's like you know? saying, oh, well, your greatest work was created during your depression, so therefore you need to be depressed. And it's like, no, that's not good. They also said that it should be noted that a lot of famous artists' less renowned work was presented when their mental illness was most acute. So a lot hmm. of the times when their mental illness was the worst, they weren't doing that great of work well, either. Yeah, well, because that's what, like, in high school, I was very depressed and yeah like I couldn't do anything like there's years of my life that I couldn't write a song because it's like I couldn't do anything like it was like I had to kind of focus on just like getting through the bare functions of my day that like exerting more energy into writing a song like ugh, like you know and then like it would just make me feel worse about myself because I couldn't do it like I was you're coasting I feel and and now like I mentioned like with Jordan and with where I'm at in my life now like things are very stable and I feel very healthy emotion emotionally you know so now I feel like I can finally create things without it being such a burden and I feel like a lot of the times people write music or produce art about those dark periods of their life but it happens after they're out of it 
Exactly. And so a lot of the times I think people are romanticizing it because they're like, oh, well, you were able to do this because you were so sad. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, I had to get out of that in order to yeah. even like be able to do anything about that. Exactly. And that's what like all the songs I'm writing now, it's like telling the stories of six, five, five, six years ago. And I'm like, it's not because I'm harboring these feelings anymore. It's just finally now I feel separated enough from it and stable enough from it now that I feel like I can actually write about those experiences without it like being triggering or without it bringing up those feelings again. Exactly. Yeah. So that's an important thing to know. Like you do not need to be depressed in order to um, be good at what you do. However, multiple studies have found that the rates of mental illness are several times greater in creative professions than in any other. So just be careful out there, guys. <laughs> yeah, take care of yourself. <laughs> yeah, like if you're having problems, it's okay to get help. You're still going to be a good artist. This also was like an ancient idea of what they called a poet madet, which basically means like an accursed poet. Mm-hmm. And basically back in the day when poets were like the superstars of the world, they like had this idea that they had to live a life outside or against society, which mm-hmm. I think kind of continues even in other forms of art today where it's like, oh, you have to be alternative in order to yeah. be like a good artist. And the idea behind it was that they had to like abuse drugs and alcohol. They had to be like slightly insane, like um, contribute to a life of crime, violence, like anything that was considered a societal sin. So mm-hmm. like affairs, like all sorts of things in order to be like a good poet or a good artist, um, which of course, all those things can contribute to bad mental health as well. Um, this also contributes to the idea, I think of like a starving artist. So it's mm-hmm. like, oh, you sacrifice your material well-being in order to focus on your artwork. So if you're living on minimal expenses or just like putting all of your disposable income towards art projects and kind of forgetting yourself, like a starving actor, starving musician, Mm -hmm. um, that's been heavily romanticized over time. Just as early as the 18th century, it's been romanticized. So the idea of a starving artist has been around for a really long time. Which like going back to mental health, it's like, I feel like it's crucial for your mental health to be in a place where you can have balance and like your, you know, material needs are covered basically, you know? So if you feel pressured or feel encouraged to sacrifice the, your basic necessities for your art, like, you know, it's just, it's just shaking your foundation even more. So if you're already prone to mental illness, it's like, it's not really, it's not helping you. (laughs) No, definitely not. And it's sad how like long it's been a part of society Um, Henry Merger wrote about four starving artists in uh, Scenes de la Vie de Boom. There was a novel called Hunger by Nut Hampson about writing about a starving artist and his life. Um, Franz Kaffa wrote a short story called A Hunger Artist about a man who's world famous for his performances of fasting. But all of these ideas have contributed to a phenomenon called the 27 Club, which have you heard of this before? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really sad. I hadn't heard of it, but it's you, definitely, you hadn't? I hadn't until I did this. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. My, probably like, just because oh. a lot of musicians are part of it. So yeah, I'm pretty familiar with it. It's mainly musicians, um, artists, actors, and athletes mm-hmm. is what they consider, but it's um, people who died at the age of 27 from either drug and alcohol abuse or homicide, suicide, or transportation related accidents. However, like 27 year old musicians I think are the most popular in this club 
Yeah. Um, especially because between 1969 and 1971, there was like so many that they couldn't even comprehend what was happening. I mean, yeah, there's so much like Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, Kurt Cobain. I'm pre- I mean, Kurt Cobain's obviously later than the previously mentioned ones, but yeah, it's very weird. And they can't figure out why they haven't found like an unusual pattern of musician deaths at this age, but they just can't quite understand why but young adult musicians have a higher death rate than the rest of the young adult population and they have considered it to be a thing that like if you're famous you're more likely to die at age 27 it's definitely really sad and it's kind of definitely contributed to I think by all of those things we talked about like the tortured starving artist it's very romanticized yes and it shouldn't be. We're going to take a quick break just to spotlight one of our new favorite women artists. Okay, so I found this lady on TikTok. Her name is Linda Fabry or Fabre. I don't know. But her username is Linda Paints. So it's cool. L-I-N-D-A Paints. And she's a psychic artist and guide. And one of the coolest things she does is automatic painting, like we talk about in this episode, which is so cool. Mm. So she picks paints and she puts them down on her paper and like moves them around and she does it in a calendar form so each square of the calendar is like a little canvas for that day so she puts the paint down she smears it around with plastic wrap on top and then pulls it off and then after it's dry she uses the weird shapes to paint a painting for that day and she doesn't think about beforehand she doesn't plan it out like she just uses these shapes to create something Uh and it becomes like this little tiny masterpiece and it's so cool like I've been obsessed with watching them because it's like oh what is she gonna do it's like oh I don't know and then all of a sudden it's like a dragon or an hourglass or a person or like it's so cool and I asked her like where the colors come from and she was like I don't know I just like think about it and I pick one and then sometimes um other ones will just call to me and I'll use them too or I just pick ones that I like. And then she just uses the shapes to create paintings. And I think she even does like full scale ones as well and like commissions mm-hmm. and stuff. But she believes that it's like led by whatever premonitions she needs to know for that day or like different psychic readings for people um, that she's creating the commissions for. I was like, ooh, that ties in so nicely. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think she has an Instagram. But her TikTok's really cool. So highly recommend. And I think she has a website as well. But yeah. Oh, wait. She does have an Instagram. Just found it. What Um, is it? It's Linda Fabry. So it's the same um, L-I-N-D-A-F-A-B-R-Y. And it looks like she posts most of her videos on there. So yeah, just like go watch one of the videos and you'll literally be so confused, but like really inspired (laughs) because it's so cool. It is cool. It's like, how did you see that on there? Like, that's not what I saw. But I also love that in the comments, a lot of times people will be like, how do you do this? And she'll be like, well, you try it. Just do it. Like, put some paint on it, let it dry, and then just, like, see what's there and just paint what you see. Yeah, I like that. Like, yeah, you try it. See see what happens. Yeah. For my spotlight, I'm actually going to do someone who's local in the Utah music scene that I feel like I'm like internet friends with her. Yeah. We've been following each other for a while. I think we briefly met once where I waved at her and smiled and said Mm -hmm. hi. And that's our, but anyways, 
Um, her Instagram is just um cherish u m m cherish. Her name is Cherish. She is a um local singer songwriter. She has music on Spotify that she's done great with. Yeah, honestly, it's great. Um, her whole vibe, I'm just I love and I I'm obsessed with. Um, but she does she's cool where she also has like a her own um like music blog that she's created like she does a lot of things just to like stay involved and like also like talks a lot about like spirituality on her Instagram I think she's like I don't even I truthfully do not know exactly what she's doing but I know she talks about it a lot about just kind of like finding her own spirituality and like seeing what she believes in and everything anyways her music's really That's good cool. I really love the vibe of her music um yeah she's really great so check her out and check out her music on Spotify um it's really good I love like the poetry and stuff she shares too yeah uh-huh she's just very creative yeah like you is. can tell like it's just a very she's a very truly creative person which is mm -hmm. cool and I love that I love yeah. new people to follow me too so go check them out everyone and just a reminder that you can send us suggestions of yourself or other artists that we should follow or spotlight on each episode. And every single episode has more artists in the middle. So go check them out. All right, now back to the show. Um, then this kind of goes into the ideas that Psyche and Freud had. So um, we talked about Psyche a little bit. It was considered the human soul, mind, or spirit. It was originally the Greek goddess of the soul. Um, but then it kind of became this thing that Freud adapted and John Locke as well, where they believed that artistic inspiration was within the inner psyche of the artist. They literally Ooh. believed if you cut open the brain, you'd find it. Oh, there. like it was an actual physical thing. Yeah, which is crazy. And they believed, of course, that it came from unresolved psychological conflict or childhood trauma. Because, mm. <laughs> of course, you can't have good art just from being a normal, stable human. That <laughs> um, his idea was that, like, the id, ego, and super ego all, like, collaborated together. So we're going to dive into some basic psychology of Freud for a minute. Um, the id is the basic primitive, almost animal-like desires of the personality, and it's controlled by the practical ego that is the decision-making database of social, social norms, rules, and laws, and learned behaviors. And then connected to that ego is the superego, which is concerned with morality and difference between right and wrong. And so the id dwells in the realm of unconsciousness below the surface of awareness, and then with it are the ego and the super ego that are a little bit more aware. And then um, the id bombards the ego and super ego with needs and desires, and they decide whether or not they want to indulge them based on those morals and learned social, social norms. Does that make sense? Yes, I think so. Okay, cool. It's <sighs> kind of weird because it sounds more like personalities, like the needy one is like, wait, I want this, I want this, I want this. And then the other ones who are like more graceful are like, no, we can't do that. That doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> kind of weird to think about that happening in your own brain um but this causes like repressed desires and then like controlled behavior so that you're constantly battling between your conscious and your subconscious and he believed that this would lead to um psychological problems and that art was a way for them to try and like manage that 
and like mm. funnel their repressed desires and it would have almost like a narcotic effect. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, which is really, really interesting. So he was like, art is how you deal with all the things that like society won't let you have, but that you like have natural desires for. I guess. is interesting. Yeah, I think I can make, I'm trying to like decide if I could buy that. Maybe I could. Yeah. It's like repressed desires. Okay, maybe. But he did believe that all of that came from like psychological trauma. Mm, okay but I guess it does like make sense that it's like if you don't and maybe that's like why it's a trend for people who maybe feel like they're on the outskirts of society where it's like if they don't feel like they can just express themselves in their own lives or like maybe feel trapped within their own lives that they would go find another source to like you know to express because everyone needs to express something so I guess it kind of I could see it in that way of like maybe that's why you know that's probably the trend is because they need to express something and so by creating something artistic like that's just a way they can channel that no definitely like I said I really think art is just a great coping mechanism it really (laughs) is yeah a lot of people who have problems just turn to it and it leads to a lot of these thoughts Um, but as we know, like Freud was really, really popular during his time. And so a lot of artists like really listened to what he was saying. And so they turned to practices of like automatic writing, dream Mm -hmm. diaries, found poetry, Ouija boards, but instead of trying to communicate with like a divine being, so they weren't like trying to communicate with God. They were like trying to unleash their own unconscious mind. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So instead of using like a Ouija board, trying to like talk to a ghost, they were like trying to unleash like something within them, like their inner child, um, like their own repressed memories and yeah. different things like that, which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. And they believed that this could lead to like trances, hypnosis, delirium, dreams, like all of that was different, like experiences created by their unconscious mind. Yeah, I can like buy that of like finding or like tapping into your subconscious because sometimes I think subconsciously I'll stop myself from creating Mm -hmm. Um, or like I'll maybe if I'm like just automatically putting myself down or putting it down, you know, and so sometimes you have to like get in the practice of being like, no, I'm not subconsciously going to stop myself. Like I'm going to like accept basically whatever's coming in. No, exactly cool I like how all the theories kind of blend together in a way even though I separated them I feel (laughs) like they're all pretty interchangeable but they're different obviously yeah and then this kind of leads to the idea of like a modern muse um which obviously we talked a lot about in our muses episode but I will touch on it here as well so when you think of a muse nowadays you think of like a beautiful woman like the subject of a song a figure in a portrait Mm -hmm. Um, that was so beautiful or captivating that the artist couldn't help but capture them in some way. So maybe it's like Elise from Beethoven's famous tune for Elise or Mm -hmm. the Mona Lisa, which is Leonardo da Vinci's greatest masterpiece. And noted by that, there's also 20 songs throughout history with the name Mona Lisa in the title by musicians. So kind of like art inspiring art. Yeah, Um, that's cool. Like even after she's been painted, she continues to inspire people to write music about her. That's cool their um van gogh cut off his ear to give to a girl that he loved even though that's a weird gift and then even like the raven perched on the sill of poe's poem or Mm -hmm. like the woods that inspired robert's frost poem you know like all of that is like muses that inspire them so it's like that spark of inspiration but rather than coming from god it's believed to be like an external source yeah or like being inspired by like the beauty of the world or yes something exactly the world. like a something 
outside, but also physical that inspires you to create something. Yeah. Which makes sense. Um, I think that's also kind of really contributed to the idea of a manic pixie dream girl. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which I called the manic pixie dream muse. Cause that's literally what it is. It's a muse. Yes. <laughs> So basically, for those who don't know, it's when you watch a movie and the woman comes into the main male character's life in a swoop of like glitter and dreams and literally does nothing except exist to inspire the man to fulfill his eternal destiny. That's it. Yes. And it's very common that they die. Oh, so common that they die. I mean, I grew up loving John Green, but he is pro at the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. <laughs> yeah, like my favorite example is Paper Towns. Oh, like Paper it, Towns. <laughs> she is totally a Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Like he completely ignores everything that has to do with her and views her as like his reason for existing. It's yes that teaches him his life lesson. It's mm-hmm. yeah. And um, the film critic Nathan Rabin was the one who coined the term and it was originally from Kristen Dunst's character in Elizabethtown. Oh, okay. So he quoted saying that the manic pixie dream girl exists solely in the fevered imaginations of sensitive writer directors to teach broodingly soulful young men to embrace life and its infinite mysteries and adventures. So they help the men without pursuing their own happiness and therefore they like disappear and those characters never grow up. Mm. Um, obviously it's extremely sexist. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I will say it has even happened um, on the opposite side. If you think of um the fault in our stars augustus yeah. waters is totally a manic pixie dream boy oh yes um and he dies so of course like yes he teaches her it's, this it's great very lesson. objectifying just to people <laughs> yeah. in general yeah like no one in the world there's not a single person out there that exists only to teach you a lesson like mm-hmm. that's ridiculous um it's a little egotistical yeah and that's how a lot of people look at muses they view them as like this way for t- tortured young artists to embrace their life and see beyond their mortal experience to develop their life's greatest work and accomplish their wildest dreams. When in reality, like that person is a person with like their own thoughts, feelings, dreams, and emotions, and like you viewing them as an object to help inspire them doesn't really do any good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And um, obviously it's happened throughout all time where like women have been summed up more by the work that they helped create than the work they created themselves. I don't know, like the Mona Lisa, like we look at it and we're like, oh, she was so great because look what she helped Leonardo da Vinci accomplish. It's like, okay, but we know nothing about that woman. Like, yeah. Like, wait a minute. Who is she? Like, yes. So it's kind of weird and we do it a lot. Um, There's muses throughout all of history where we sum them up by the works that they helped inspire Mm -hmm. rather than the works or the things that they did on their own, Um, which is really weird. So Kiki de Monparce Arnasse, I'm saying it wrong. She was a nightclub singer, painter, actress, and model. Um, but like, she's most famous for being Man Ray's muse and Mm. Man Ray like created hundreds of works inspired by her, Mm. which is like sad because she had so many accomplishments and then she's summed up by the paintings that Man Ray was able to create. Um, Picasso is well known for doing the same. Um, Victoria Murnay inspired Edward Manet who featured her in several paintings. Yeah. So she was nude in a lot of those, but that's like all we know about her. Um, Salvador Dali's wife, um, Helga Testorf, 
was the subject of 240 pieces by Andrew White. And they were actually hidden and his wife didn't even know about them. Oh, nice. And then there was like a huge exhibit at the National Gallery of Art where they had 240 pieces of nudes and everything else by this one woman that was not his wife. So there's that. Gustav Klimt used a seamstress and fashion designer as like a lot of his muse for a lot of his paintings, like painting in her dresses. And she's even believed to be the subject of the kiss, if you've seen that painting. And then like even musicians are really well known for doing this. Linda Eastman married Paul McCartney and then um, believed to be like basically the inspiration for every love song he wrote from then on out. I mean, and and like in uh a close to home example is like Joe Alwyn and Taylor Swift, right? Like maybe I need to, cause it seems like I'm like, wow, Joe Alwyn is just the perfect muse for Taylor Swift when like, he's also an actor. <laughs> like he is something in his own right. <laughs> I know. He's more than just Taylor Swift's muse. <laughs> yeah. Patty Boyd was really famous for yeah, being Yeah, I muse. read Patty Boyd's memoir. It's very mm-hmm. good. And the, even when they interviewed her on ABC News, they asked why she was such a strong muse for artists. And she was like, I wish I knew. Like, I wish I could tell you. I don't know. And it's like, really? <laughs> like, that's what they bothered to ask her. They're like, so why do you inspire so many people? <laughs> like, you must be pretty great. <laughs> yeah. So it just, it's everywhere. If you look at like all of history, you'll find them. Um, it's just crazy that there's so many. Yeah. Well, so her, um, sorry, going back to Patty Boyd, she like has a memoir called wonderful tonight and it's George Harrison, Eric Clapton and me. And like the New York times described it as for the first time, rocks, music's rock music's most famous muse tells her incredible stories. So she's like very much known for being the muse for some of the best love stories of all time. Yeah. And it's like, love songs. okay yeah okay then she probably did more than that too but (laughs) she's a cool lady yeah so it's that idea of like summing people up by what they helped others create rather than what they did themselves um another idea kind of of this but like a different vein is copying the masters um so like does art inspire art um there was a modern study in by two men named Takeshi Okada and Kentaro Ishibata Ishibishi. Uh And they did a three-part study where undergraduate art students were observed to see how they responded to example artworks. Um, So they'd basically give them an artwork and they'd have to think about it for a really long time or they'd have to copy it. And copying artworks led the students to creating more unique and different artworks, but only when the inspiration was in an unfamiliar style to the student. And then only thinking about it created unique art from the student, but only when the style was also an unfamiliar style. So it just kind of led them to realizing that unfamiliar examples facilitated creativity of the students by challenging their perspectives. And they don't know if this applies to professional artists. They do know that there are some examples of like Picasso and Van Gogh extensively imitated other artists' work, um, showing that maybe imitation is an effective driver for creativity. Um, and even the idea that like every new music style or art style is inspired by some facet of an earlier style. So it's kind of the idea that like art is its own muse, that like art created can inspire other art that continues to have all time. But we don't know the whole aspect of how that would work. And then lastly is this idea of furrow poeticus. Um, and this is the idea that inspiration would lead the artist to go into ecstasy 
and it would be like a divine frenzy, poetic madness. They would be transported between beyond their own mind and given gods or goddesses own thoughts to embody. So yeah, it was this idea that they like break beyond the world of divine truth and then be compelled by some vision that they had seen to create something beyond Mm -hmm. that. It was a huge Greek idea in Greek mythology. They believed that that's what was happening and what, where creation came from. Mm -hmm. Um, They also believe it's a lot what authors would use. It's like Horace, um, Plato, philosophers, like they believed that that's how things happened. And And then, of course, um, as things always repeat themselves during the French Renaissance, poets at that time also believed that that's kind of what happened to them as well. Tyard classified four different kinds of divine inspiration along these lines. Um, One was the poetic fury or the gift of the muses, like the goddesses. Two was the knowledge of religious mysteries. And three was prophecy and divination through Apollo. And or four was inspiration brought on by Venus or Eros. So as you can see, a lot of it had to deal with Greek mythology and ideas. This also led to the idea of divine possession, where they literally believed that you would be overcome by the god or goddess and they would like take over your body and create. And this from this came like a sect of religion called the enthusiasts. And this is cool because I bet you've never thought about the definition of the word enthusiasm. But (laughs) it means intense enjoyment, interest, or approval, but it was originally used to refer to a person possessed by God. The word originates from Greek meaning possessed by a God's essence, and it inspired um, the Greeks to manifestations of divine possession, or it was also used in a transferred or figurative sense, and it was coined in a belief in religious inspiration to intense religious fervor or emotion. So that's what enthusiasm meant. And the enthusiasts believed that by perpetual prayer or other practices and contemplation that they could be inspired by the Holy Spirit um, and do things beyond their capabilities. Methodists also were accused of this in the early days, which is weird. Um, Mm -hmm. John Wesley and George Whitefield were accused of blind enthusiasm. Um, where they were believed that the religion they were practicing was like blind enthusiasm or like divine possession, which is interesting. It's interesting that it's like something they're like accused of. Like it's I know. A... Like, how dare you? So it's kind of the idea of possession, but in like a different way, um, which is very interesting. And that leads to like the nine muses or the goddesses of art, um, which we have a whole episode about but they were personifications of the knowledge of the arts, poetry, literature, dance, music. Um, we talked a little bit about how they used to believe that there was only three muses, one from the movement of water, another who makes sound by striking the air, and a third who is embodied only in the human voice. However, like natural Greek mythology believes that there's nine of them and that they were able to inspire basically every form of creativity that came forward. Um, the word muse is from the word musa, and it literally means art or poetry or to excel in the arts. And so they were embodiments of the arts and music. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of the same practices that people used in other ways um, became a way that people would use to try and reach like that divine possession state where the muses would take over. 
And so we talked a lot about automatic writing and drawing. So they'd passively hold a pencil above a paper and use a Ouija board to find words for poets. Um, they would like funnel thoughts or ideas from like some outward source. Um, spiritualism was a huge function of this um, where they didn't necessarily believe that it was like coming from any certain person, but just from something outside of this world. Um, Robert Desnos was a surrealist poet who is claimed to be the most gifted automatic writer. And he, it's believed that he wrote message letters and even entire books during a trance state, Whoa. which is interesting. Um, like we talked about before, we have Helma Auckland, who is a very successful automatic drawer, where she believed that she was led by high masters to create over 200 paintings. Um, yeah. And where she said that it came from somewhere outside of her. And she didn't change a single brush stroke and never had to go back and fix anything. Um, like I talked about in that one as well, that of course there's people who were proven to be fakers of this as yeah. well, where they would say that they were divinely inspired or even like from someone's dead ghost channeled things through them. And then it was proven to be false. However, it's considered to be like a huge practice of randomly creating art, being inspired from something outside of yourself. And that's kind of the end. Like I said, it kind of goes in, out, in, out. <laughs> I like that though. Yeah. Uh, they all melt together, but it's interesting to look at the different ways and thoughts that there are behind this idea of artistic inspiration and how long the debate has gone on. And, mm -hmm. and honestly, like one of the weirdest things to me was that there was like so many similar ones where it's like, okay, that's basically the same idea as the last one, but it's just like slightly different. Like it a different like, way of saying the same thing. Kind yes. Of. Where it'd be like, oh, well, that's what religion believes. So this is what science says. And then it's like, yeah. oh, well, this is like the more religious side of it. That's the more scientific side of it. Or like, this is the religious side. That's the more spiritual side. And then there's the scientific side. And then there's this other religion side, but it's all the same idea. Yeah. So it's super, super interesting. And yeah, I don't know if anyone out there was like overly excited about this, but <laughs> <laughs> um, there's definitely like more to dive into. And I think like, maybe just think about it yourself. Like, where do you think yours comes from? Yeah. Well, that's what I want to like, I almost like want to hear from people. Cause it's like, obviously, you know, I grew up Christian. I grew up in a very Christian community. So it's like those ideas kind of like ring true to me, you know, but like, I want to know like what other people like think of from like what they, you know, like what they're just like used to. And if it's any different than mine, or, you know, like you said, like a lot of it really is just kind of the same thing said in different ways. I don't know. But it's like, is there a certain way that it's said that resonates more with people than others? Yeah, you know? exactly. Obviously, like if there's that many ways of thought, then like some people believe that it's very different mm -hmm. than others. I don't know. What about you, Sadie? Was there one that like felt more real than the rest? <laughs> well, I really like this idea that it like kind of like you said that like the idea of like revelation is collaborative, like with the divine. And I really like the idea that it comes from the um like like that it's inspired from God and like the same way that you feel like God speaks to you is like also the same way that you feel like you know that you would create things but also I really love the idea of kind of like automatic writing and like this idea of like almost like channeling what's already in your subconscious mind that like you can't reach yet you know because I feel like the subconscious mind is a really powerful thing um I don't know a lot about it but I feel like 
both of those ideas like particularly resonate with me. No, definitely. I did a poll on my Instagram quite a while ago, I think, when I first started this. But I wanted to know if people believed that artistic inspiration came from God or from themselves. Mm-hmm. Let me see if I can find it. I wonder if I said themselves because I feel like I also feel like there is like a bit of ego that is okay with this you know like I feel like generally ego is very much like a negative connotation type word and like obviously too far it absolutely is but I think sometimes when you're creating it's almost like you need you do need a little bit of an ego like you need to think that what you're creating is worth something and that your brain whatever's in your brain like is capable of doing it so I'm like wondering what I said back then if I voted that it came from God or from yourself because I think I might have said from yourself no I definitely get it I think it's hard because like you want to be proud of what you created right so it's like yeah. I don't want to give all the credit to someone else like <laughs> yeah or maybe that it like comes from us but like through like this divine innate thing that humanity has mm-hmm. I think personally what I've kind of thought over this whole thing is that I think it's a lot more connected than we think yeah okay if that makes sense I think it's a mix of both but I think that like it's more interchangeable than a lot of people assume would think yeah okay okay so 18 people voted our own nine our own minds 15 people voted a divine being interesting let's see where you are I don't think you voted oh well I meant to have (laughs) (laughs) I don't see you on but I don't know what I would have voted now I'm trying to decide I think I would if I would have just saw seen that poll on an Instagram story I think I would have said from ourselves but now as we talk about it I think I like I mean like obviously it comes from ourselves but like through the channels that like humanity can reach the divinity I don't know yeah I had a lot of people message me and they're like um a mix of both yeah and I was like yeah I could see that it's hard. I think it also, maybe it changes every time, you know? Yeah, like that's Maybe true. sometime you're writing something from like your childhood that's like a deep place of like hurt or something from you. And then the next time you don't even know where it comes from, but a thought just like hits you and you're like, yeah, yeah. this is what it is. Or other times you like really feel led and like every single step of the way to create something and you're like, whoa, that wasn't even me. Like something yeah. else wrote that. That's true. I think that's, and kind of going back to like the idea of like writing songs about like sassy songs about my ex-boyfriend. Like sometimes I think it might come from like a very like almost like human place, right? Of like, I'm upset and I need to express this emotion. But then like a couple weeks ago, like I was really feeling something intensely and like I went to the piano, like wrote this thing in like 20 minutes and I was like, okay, I don't really feel like that. Like that came from something really deep inside of me. You know what I mean? That I don't really feel like I really had the word, you know, I, I didn't really have the words for these feelings until this moment. So that maybe feels like that was almost like, you know, moments like that feel a little bit more divine than me, like spending hours trying to like come up with the most clever rhyme. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And so I think that's why it's so hard for people and why it's been so heavily debated. And there's so many theories of thought mm-hmm. and everything on it is because it's like art isn't easily explained. It's it, no. 
never has been. I don't think it ever will be. Like you can never sit down and like, as much as people are like explaining this song, it's like, you can't really explain the song. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's you can what, say what it's yeah. about or you can scientifically explain every note, but at the end of the day, like that didn't exist and now it does. Like and how does that have does. an explanation? Yeah, exactly. You're right. It doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> Art's weird. And that's it why I think weird. people have spent centuries trying to explain this phenomenon and I don't think you really can yeah um but in a way that like makes me feel cooler about it yeah I'm like wow look at me either like accessing like my ego or letting go of my ego or accessing like literally god like all things are very cool like it's all cool no matter what way you're looking at it or what you what resonates with you and that was kind of the cool start part about it too like even as we went through it and you were like oh I could kind of see that I was like every idea kind of seems interesting it could be true yeah yeah and you're like oh like I could kind of see some truth to that like even the sad ones where it's like oh they used it to like cope with their own mental illness so it's like okay mm-hmm. I've done that yeah so, exactly like, that's totally possible um so yeah it's just kind of interesting like I think it really makes you think about art differently. And for me, it makes me feel like cooler about my like profession. I'm like, Ooh, yeah. like I have all these like, things. I'm, I'm doing this from. every single day. Yeah. So I don't know. It's really, really cool. And definitely made me also think about religion differently. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was very intrigued by this whole project and it was such a cool thing. I love it. Yeah. That is super cool. Good good research my friend good good (laughs) podcast episode good presentation (laughs) also if anyone's interested I do have I will be printing like extras of my book um I don't know how much I would have to charge but I had to order the binding clips I'm using for them in a pack of a hundred oh if anyone wants one maybe I'll sell them (laughs) I kind of I'll buy one from you I want one they're cool it's very collagey and all the research that was on in this is in there too and you could kind of see what I did with the whole like in out in to out kind of thing are you gonna post previews of it on our Instagram yeah I can do that I I have to get it printed this weekend or at the beginning next week because it's due next week so cool. they're really cool. I did a collage piece for like each aspect of it. That's so cool. here, I'll tell you the subtitles really quick. So the mouth of God is the first one. The divine spark is second. The God within is third. And then it goes to the inner psyche, modern muse, and fur poeticus. Yeah, it was a fun project. I really enjoyed it. And um, my teacher and I would have like really cool conversations as well. Yeah. Where we would like dive into different thoughts and theories and stuff. Like he would bring up coincidence and he's like, okay, do you think those are led by God or do you think they just happen? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, is it a like, meaningful I- coincidence or is it not? You know? Yeah. Just the so, standard existential questions that we all ask yeah. every now and then. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe like think about your artistic inspiration differently and really debate with yourself. Like, I don't know, or tap into a different way of doing it than you have before. Yeah, I like that. Well, awesome. Thanks, Donnie. Thanks for presenting on your capstone. I'm going to buy a book from you. So save one for me. I can do that. I just have to see how much it costs to print them. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope you feel inspired. I hope you feel stoked about your creativity. I know I do right now. So yeah. And hopefully it'll just like 
help you feel cooler about being an artist and like how you create and everything else. Like I know it does for me. So mm-hmm. yeah, just go out there and create something. However you decide to tap into that artistic inspiration. Love it. Well, thank you so much everyone for tuning in today. If you're a fan of the podcast, definitely follow us on Instagram, which is just more than amuse.podcast. Um, if you have any thoughts, anything you want to share with us, our email is more than amuse podcast at gmail.com. Um, love to hear everyone's thoughts on this episode and what you think artistic inspiration comes from. So whether that's, that's, yeah, email us, DM us on Instagram. I would love that. Yeah. Especially if you have like cool stories, like I would love to hear that because I don't think I have any that are like really deep or cool, but I would love to hear some. Cool. And then of course, if you're loving it, leave us a review, Please subscribe, tell your artistic friends and we'd really appreciate it. If any single moment in this podcast, you stopped and thought about something and you were like, wow, that's cool. Then go write a five-star review right now. Haha, you owe it to us. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> we made you think deeply. So go write a five-star review about how awesome we are and we will love you forever. We truly will. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, we will see you then next week with another episode and hope you have a wonderful week. Yep. Bye, everyone. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus. Hey podcast listener, do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics and games? then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.